Welcome to Vision of Zion. This is episode number 27. I have Sean White. Hi, Sean. Hi, Craig. We're continuing to talk about the uh, things that he witnessed relative to the last days. We covered the fact that as he got older, he began to remember things the Lord had uh, blocked from his memory, which would have been a distraction and would have been hard to understand. And Sean's nature would have been to try and act on those impressions right away. So the Lord spared him that because it wasn't time. And then in 2017, uh, around the time that the sign of the woman in the heavens was observed, Sean began to have an acceleration of of recollections. And and maybe even, Sean, did you have additional visions or just uh, did you just have a remembrance of the prior vision that you'd had before? Both, where they were remembrance of prior visions, but as I prayed in earnest to understand different things and, and kept up on my prayers, then more unfolded so that I could understand the things that I saw. Okay. Uh, you know, a big question people have is, number one, how long are the tribulations? Uh, and you mentioned it's a two, three and a half year periods in the prior podcast. So maybe you can elaborate on that. And the second thing is uh, a lot of people, well, not say a lot of people, but there is a hotly disputed issue among Christians. And I'll say evangelists seem to be the most interested in the second coming and the signs relating thereto. From what I have found, when I go online and try and learn what do my other fellow Christians believe, how do they interpret this information? And there's basically three groups. There are people who say that Christ is going to come pre-tribulation, and only the wicked are going to suffer the tribulations. Then there are those who say it's mid-tribulation when he's going to come, right right at the middle of the three and a half, uh, three and a half years, and then he's going to come. And then some believe that he's not going to come till after the seven years of tribulations. So uh, I don't know if you can work that into your uh, answer, but what can you tell us that you observed about the tribulations? Well, <laughs> as so many times I find in different things that there's pieces of truth in everything. And I see him meeting with some early on, just a few at the midpoint, he has a larger gathering and talks with a, a little bit larger group. In fact, it actually sets them apart to do some work at the midpoint. And then at the very end, appearing to everybody. So, and that's another thing that I find common is this, threes in everything in fact if i don't see three to something i know it's not a complete sequence or like i'm missing something because three keeps repeating itself uh in different stages in fact even i saw before the tribulation started that after that sign and i'd have to go back and look at my numbers but there was a period of three preparing for the tribulation to start like a a three-year wait of trying to wake some people and then another three-year period and then another three-and-a-half-year period and another three-and-a-half-year period. So there were all these stages of building. Well, that's interesting. So you mentioned it sounded like the first three-and-a-half years was really a, a sifting, maybe the the real culmination of the wheat and the tares 
being sifted. And we know the story of the wheat and the tares. The Savior gave us that analogy where we allow the blades of the wheat and the blades of the weeds to grow together. And as they mature, we can see what what they are. Are they going to be uh, productive? Are they going to be um, living the gospel? Or are they going to be um, a follower of basically Satan and his ways? So is that what you see the first half of the tribulations being is this sifting process? Yes, I do. Um, in fact, even for some of the ones that have more work to do or something, uh, I had a period of time where I fell at work and tore my shoulder out, which required a surgery. And through that surgery, I got an infection in my jaw, which put me down even longer. And during this time period, I felt prompted to start writing down more of my dreams and visions and start reading what others had felt and seen in their visions to see if I was crazy or not. <laughs> and I found so many other similar experiences this way. And so there's like this pre-sifting and then there's a, I don't know, in a surgery that I had last year where it was bleeding profusely in my lung from an artery that broke. I was taken back away from the earth with the savior they had to shock me back to life off and on because they were washing out my lung and backing me out lung. And they knew it just going to have my heart stop during all this traumatic thing. But as I was looking back with the savior on the earth, which I've been there in this kind of a shelf standing out in the middle of nowhere, he said, Rashawn right now he had a basket of apples there and I could see him washing the apples and he was sorting them, looking for the brightest and shiniest ones. He says, you guys are just like these apples I'm sorting. I'm looking through all of you down there right now and seeing which ones can help me. And the ones that I think are the brightest and shiniest apples, so to say, are those that are not afraid to go out and talk to their neighbor and to talk to somebody that may not be of their religion, a neighbor that you haven't talked to for a long time, he says, you guys are also ready to just go back and fight and shoot it out in Washington, but I'm asking you to talk to your neighbor. Is that harder than shooting it out? You know, and so I knew from that that he was still looking for those that could help him in preparing the way for his coming and getting more people to pray and look to him. I think sometimes we're looking for really profound, you know, uh, things we can do. But it sounds like some of the things that matter to the Lord, you gave an example a few episodes back where you you get, said a kind word to a mother in a store with a child. And in your life review, they thought that that meant a lot. Uh, they thought that was a big deal. Exactly. And as you know, I've started to outline there's so many scriptures that we have that we can go to to help us find the pattern, whether it be the book of Revelations is where I started, to Daniel, to uh, Isaiah, to Mal uh, Micah, Malachi, and many of those toward the end have got wonderful information. And it's kind of like a puzzle with them, too, because you can't just understand one without the other because the other has a secret word 
or secret combination that helps you understand the other one. So you end up going back and forth and back and forth to try to comprehend what the pattern is upcoming. And I started noticing a couple of years ago, the burning. And, you know, we know as that uh, first trumpet is sound and the first seal there that we have one third of all the trees burned and all the grass. And so I began calculating and watching the forest fires. And over a period of about a year and a half, we've reached the point across the world where we have one third of all the trees burned now. And we've had, Oh, instead of being all at once, it's been a, it's been over a series of, uh, or a period of time you're saying. Yeah. So like a period of about a year and a half, uh, two years. And, and I know that because of our nature and everything, we're looking and saying, well, there's seven periods that automatically has to be seven years, you know, or has to fit in to this deal. But I saw a time, as like a snail shell or the Fibonacci sequence in which it went faster and faster and faster toward the point where Christ came at the center. And so it's kind of slow starting out, slow and counting, and then it just got faster and faster and the events keeps coming closer and closer together than what we anticipated. So a few podcasts ago, I did a podcast called Upon My House, where the Lord says in the Doctrine and Covenants that He's going to start with his own people uh, cleansing them first and then moving on to the the other groups that needed to be cleansed. Uh, is that an accurate portrayal of how he's going to proceed in the during the tribulations? Well, I feel like there's some world events that kind of shake everybody up. And I know so many times that we focus on, well, we have to be exactly this religion, and he's only going to be a, this religion, but I see it more, in like Brigham Young said, it will not all be LDS people at the second coming, that we would only amount to about 10%. And so I began to look at this bigger picture of those that really believe in Christ and are believers in him, because I have so many friends and I grew up in an area where we had 27 churches or 29 churches for a town of 5,700 people. And yet we all got along, but there were some very Christ-like people that would talk to their neighbor, you know, give help more so than sometimes in our own religion and acted more Christ-like. So I began to open up my view of what he's looking at as far as a believer and, and look more towards who emulates Christ in his characteristics and calling them his people more than I am a certain religion, you know, and saying they have everything. So upon my house might just be those Christians that are going to be tried for their uh, faith across the board and to see if they're going to remain, like you said earlier, committed to the Savior, or if the trials that are going to come, like losing their money or losing other valuable possessions, are going to cause them to, you know, turn against God. Yes, and, you know, one of the things I think will be the first thing that will awaken people the most and cause them to consider, and I think that uh, Isaiah emulates this, is the devaluation of our dollar and the great financial reset. And, uh, you know, here in Isaiah, 
19, 8 through 10, the fishermen will deplore their lot and the anglers in the canal beef bone themselves. Those who cast nets on the water in misery, the manufacturers of combined linen and weavers of fine fabrics will be dismayed. The textile workers will know despair and all who work for wages will suffer distress. Can we talk yeah. about this great wheat reset? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. So then I began to see um, things. I, I mean, as I looked at it, I saw, you know, like 60% of the Americans lose their retirement funds. And then after when this great upheaval of this starts, a civil war occurs because of all the people that have idle time and don't have money and are upset. And then I saw 60% of all Americans lose their jobs. And then 28% are like reemployed within about six months, but at a lesser amount. But I see this part here is when you really look at the people around us, no matter where they are, is money really their God or is it our actual Jesus Christ, our God, because so many have put money up on such a high altar and like, I've got to have this house. I've got to have this car. I've got to have this boat and I will go boating before I'll go do something for God or, you know, things of that nature. If you took away their money, would it shake them up enough to bring them to their knees and, and ask God what's going on. And that's really the important thing is to, to see if the people will cuss God or not. <laughs> So there's a lot of talk that I have heard about the Great Reset. Uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, QAnon-type people. I'm talking about very preeminent people with a great deal of education, <clears throat> analyzing the events of our time, and discussing this real concept it's 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 been discussed really i think uh and brought out into the open since the pandemic uh where these groups have said this is a great opportunity to to have a financial reset and or to implement you know dramatic programs that, that are going to completely upend the system that as we know it or has as we have known it um does this is this play into things that you've observed or seen completely and it comes as a, a shock and i don't have the verse in front of me for isaiah but he almost insinuates it happens in a day that there's an event that shakes everything just like within almost a day that starts everything kind of collapsing or going forth in fact the savior took me back on one instance and looked at all the banks that collapsed. And I saw over 200 banks collapse just in the United States, not out of the United States, and told me to have so much cash on hand and to be prepared so that I could continue to do his work without blinking an eye and be able to go out and help others and, and not feel shaken up so that I could be an anchor point and help others build their faith. So is it fair to say, first of all, <clears throat> that the U.S. dollar is the uh, is the currency of the world that 
through which international trade has generally been done since World War II? It is, and that's change. The foundation for that changing is happening so fast before our eyes into the BRIC system and uh, those countries involved in the BRIC system. Brazil, Russia, India, China, correct? Russia, yeah. Russia. And their belief is that we should have money backed by gold, silver, lithium, and precious metals as a solid backing for what that's worth. Whereas the United States uh, wants to believe that we could have a digital coin or something and we don't need it backed by anything and they could print or inflate money however they need to. In fact, I wish I could remember the figures of the amount of money that they printed in the last uh, two years, but it is more than we've printed since like World War One. It's just insane. It is. Amount. It is. And that's that's a direct uh, that could not have happened but for the creation of the uh, you know the central banking system we have in our in our country. Uh, so, is it fair to say then that? As the as America goes, so goes the world financially. To an extent, but you know, when we start to look at it in Isaiah, he talks about leaders of Egypt. And now Egypt is always the code word for America in there. It's kind of like I didn't like Edgar Allan Poe novels to have to study in high school growing up. I hated them because they wouldn't just say what they meant to say, but they Isaiah wrote it in a way that you had to pray about it. And Joseph Smith says, you could not understand these things unless you solidly prayed and asked with the power of the priesthood to understand this and understand how it affected you. But Isaiah talks about having a king or a pharaoh over Egypt, which, and as I read this verse, it was just like, and he was a non-Egyptian, so it'd be non-American. And it came out of nowhere, but he changed the laws and everything in a way that caused us to start to collapse. And oh my goodness, I could see Obama written all over this verse and how the took away, you know, our freedoms. We started using executive actions. Um, the Congress has little to no power. And it was just so stunning. This will conclude episode 27, part five of our interview with Sean White and his near-death experience. We'll be back with the final installment from this day's interview shortly.